Hello and welcome to season two, episode two of What Would You Do If? And today our subject is what would you do if someone said content is everything. Now, content has been everything for quite a while now and content marketing is not a new term. No. But I think it was worthwhile bringing up this subject this week only because of the various conversations we have during the week. Yeah. And um, obviously when, we, when we're pitching clients and kind of to help people understand where content fits in because content is everything but let's put that into context i think most yeah most of our clients most of our prospects including ourselves as a business are producing different types of content without doubt mm. i think that forms part of everybody's uh, marketing uh, mix these days in the sense of to uh, either promote their services to promote their products their brand whatever it may be Depends what you class as content. Yeah, I guess. What do you class? What do you class as content? Then? Anything that's been created, I guess, yeah. is one way of looking at it. So yeah. anything from videos to white papers to press releases to editorial pieces, you you name it. If you're creating something from nothing, yeah, um, that is then going to be shared and amplified in some way out to an audience group, whether that be traditional trade press all the way through to uh, the digital amplification and social amplification we see these days. Um, I would argue all that's content. Yeah. Whether it's got any purpose or strategy behind it is a very different point. And I think that's probably why we wanted to bring up the subject today, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. About, yeah. yeah. Let's not let's stop. I think my biggest thing is let's stop ticking boxes. Yeah. Um, let's stop producing content for content's sake. Yeah. Because I think I think hopefully the people who listen to this podcast and um, if you're watching this on YouTube, you can press the little uh, notification button so you'll get. Uh, notifications when we we launch a new episode so please do subscribe or give us some feedback but every single podcast we do has a purpose behind it yeah um, to inform clients about navigating the b2b landscape yeah and we do think about what's happened in the in the agency over the last two or three four or five months and why yeah we talk about these subjects so we you know our content has a purpose but we do find that when we go into clients we're going to pitches when we're reviewing people's content, it's why. It's how much of the content are they producing? Are they producing for the sake of it? How much of the content they're producing is supporting a certain marketing objective of moving people through the sales funnel? Mm. We'll come on to this in a minute. But yeah, I think we always have conversations with clients or prospects where it's a comment's made or something resonates with you that makes you think about something you can cover on one of these podcasts. And for me of late, one of the recent ones when we were... Um, we were tutoring, teaching, coaching at a seminar oh, yeah. down south. Yeah. It was very interesting in terms of their interpretation of content and ours. So we were talking big ticket kind of content pieces, um, the Help Hero Hub kind of model towards yeah, content, yeah. of um, how you can make your content work harder for you. They principally were going on about banner ads, if you remember this one. Oh, yeah. Their content was banner ads. So we questioned banner why. Banner ads and print, wasn't banner it? Banner ads and print, so very kind of traditional. Yes. Um, and we'd shared the age-old stat about how many more times you're likely to mount Everest, I think it is, than, yeah, than actually yeah. click on a banner ad. And, yeah. and think about that. Any, you know, anybody, have, have you ever clicked on a banner ad? Has anybody ever clicked on a banner ad? I think, so, I, think I only ever click on them when, I'm retar- when I've been retargeted. Retargeted, yeah. And I think, you know, I'm not saying the banner's dead because no. from an awareness perspective... Yeah, it has its place. Has its yeah, place. and if you want to be top of mind and in the in yeah. their eye line when people are looking at making decisions, I get it. But if you're looking to... You know, it's not it's not a bait piece content where somebody's going to click it, go to a landing page. Very few people ever even select it. So I think when you're talking about content, it's important to make sure the content that you are producing has a strategic edge to it and is supporting the overall campaign objectives. Mm. So if you want to generate leads, 
what type of content do you produce to do that? What channels do you amplify that on? How do you promote that? Um, yeah. And the bulk of the bulk of people that you tend to interact with um, are are producing content because that's the type of content their competitors produce. Yeah, a lot of people are copycats, aren't they? If, if it's it's almost like the the I always use the double glazing analogy. When when you were you, you were younger and next door got double glazing, well, you yeah. your mum was like, "What? Well, I want double glazing." Yeah, yeah. And then, and, yeah. and and it's the thing is, you do look at your closest competition, but I think when we when we always go and see clients, is we always try and say, "Well, who's best in class outside your yeah. your world?" But I think for me at the minute, the key thing around content is the speed of which you can deliver the content. Mm. So if you look at why we're doing these podcasts, yeah. so podcasts are certainly. A, a buzz trend at the minute that you know people and I believe it's probably the future of you know one of the way one of the many ways of communicating your content to people mm. but I think when you look at podcasts themselves are people doing podcasts for the sake of it because they're, they're f- fulfilling their ego biscuits of wanting to be number one on iTunes and when we sat down and started doing this one we were very clear on our objective which was to produce timely content which was thought leadership discussion kind of points, but on topical matters that we wanted to get out quickly to our client base. Yeah, yeah. So we went through ourselves a kind of a, a pattern of developing what I would class as long form content. Yeah, we looked at reports. But yeah, and, and we looked at I think we we looked at our sales process and we looked at what objections we were getting as an agency. And I think that's when what we looked at is sometimes as a, as an agency when you get to see clients you don't. A client gives you an objection, you think you've handled it properly, yeah. but then it's probably still niggling in their mind. But it's a great way of addressing that. Yeah, it's yeah. a great way of addressing that. So if you're in a pitch or you're in a meeting with a client or prospect, they pick up on something, challenge you. I don't know, it could be anything from, anything from I don't know, should we do exhibitions, should we not do exhibitions, what's the merits in it, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Whatever it may be, but the ability to go back to the office, record a quick piece to camera or a quick opinion piece or to explain a point in more detail, potentially, that mm. maybe you didn't quite nail in the meeting, yeah. something you didn't feel you addressed. That's what this forum has given us, I think. Yeah, and it's given, I think, it's given us the forum where pre-meeting, so you might go on a first pitch yeah. and you kind of understand some of their pain points or some of their needs, if you yeah. like, yeah. and you can deliver a, a, a quick podcast around content, around conversational marketing, account-based yeah. marketing, where really that content is going to that person. And if they engage and listen to that, well, it's almost like you've done another pitch. Because yeah. how many times have we walked into a pitch now and they've gone, listen to your podcast yeah. or watched your yeah. um, um Recorded deck when we did the talk at Bite Food. So, but I have no no desire, no desire to be number one on iTunes. No. That's not why we're doing this. No. That's what I'm saying. So, the purpose of this type of content for us is different. Yeah, yeah. Other people, other agencies, other businesses out there will be doing it to swell the awareness and desperately try to get to the top of the mm. charts. For me, this is about getting content out there and sharing the knowledge mm. as quickly and as, as as slick a format as we, that we can do it. Yeah. But now we've so just going back to the help hero hub element of it, and for those who've not seeing help her over it's, it's something that was developed by google mm-hmm. and it's making a, a classic example is now we record the podcast so it yeah. goes on youtube yeah. we have a, a, an audio version and sam our um video guy will then cut that down into 30 second clips which hopefully some of you will see yeah and and then there also will be a blog written about it yeah that's where there's a blog piece of content on it and you typically see you see it more cascade down from the hero level so yeah. a hero piece of content might be a I don't know, a, le- a lengthy video on yeah. a large white paper. Yeah. But then that disseminates and comes down into four or five blog posts, separate blog posts that you can... Podcast, and you're talking yeah. about breaking down your existing piece of content here mm. into smaller bite-sized yeah, pieces. Yeah. So those that one 
white paper can become four blog posts, can become eight social media posts, but those eight social media posts need tweaking for each platform that you're also going to present them across. So yeah. suddenly you've got, from one piece of content, which yeah. I've taken you a while to produce, you've got a whole bank of content which could probably deceive through a month or a quarter. And as long as that topic or whatever you're discussing is one of relevance and uh, you know important enough to gain the, the attention and cut through the noise out there at the minute, which I think is the big thing when you come to content. There's a lot of content out there. Yeah, and we've covered it actually in the previous podcast about one of my biggest annoyances is going, on about, going back to the ticking box exercise and we mentioned it in the previous podcast about yeah. I were at the show or, yeah. you know, there is nothing. And it's also thinking of new ways to do I mean, I know we're, we've not moved into this yet, but almost and asking questions on Instagram stories, putting quizzes out there, yeah. putting doing things to re-engage your clients. Yeah. and In a different way to yeah. what everybody else does. I think that's one of the things, you know, depending on what your class is content, you know, if, you, if you're banging out press releases and that's the only thing you produce and to notify people around what you're doing and the mm. progress you're making, is that, is that actually furthering the business? What's the purpose of that? You know, in the sense of, so we see a lot of it in the, in the agency world where publications are sharing appointment releases. So such and such, but he's joined our team. All right, great. What's exciting about that? Even with one a client, great. That's like, oh, that's, that's feeding the ego yeah, again, I would yeah, say. Yeah. It's not necessarily showing the differentiation in the marketplace, why somebody wants to work with you, why somebody wants to buy from you. Yeah, yeah. And I think for me, if you can get that content machine working for you where you are, getting more from it, making that content work harder throughout the process. Mm. That That's the magic and that's the trick. Yeah, but, but it's all, important that it does differentiate you yeah, still. But, I've, but I, I also go back to the stuff when we've, when we've looked at the account-based marketing, which is on one of the earlier podcast issues, is looking at, instead of casting the net wide and going to your clients and, and sure. opening, sticking enough, sorry, throwing enough mud against the wall and hoping it'll stick, mm -hmm. try and look at, which me and Sophie were talking about before and today about, having focused content based purely at that business, yeah. about their pain points, yeah. around their... The really hyper-personalised hyper hyper content. content yeah. Yeah. But that, again, is a kind of a trend at the minute that we're seeing more people referring to hyper-personalised content. Yeah. Come back to it time and time again, it's common sense. Yeah, yeah. If, you want to, if I want to sell to you, what are you interested in? What are you struggling with? How can I help you? Mm. I guess it's the first thing that I'd be producing. Yeah. So me producing a generic manufacturing report, and I'm using that as our personal example, that we probably spent best part of six months working on this thing, trying to produce this thought leadership piece a couple of years ago, which haunts me to the day, that we hemorrhaged so much time trying to produce it, a lot of effort went into it, getting opinions of industry leaders in that manufacturing space, because we had a kind of a gap in our client roster that we wanted to fill. So yeah. we identified that correctly and then went about producing this mammoth of a report mm. that never got finished. And we, had, we wasted so much time doing it, whereas now we'd be much better producing a content, uh, uh, sorry, a podcast. podcast or something very quick, capturing the opinion, capturing our point of differentiation out there and and, share, and amplifying that out to people. But I think, again, it's all right producing all the content, and we always talk about this on yep. a regular basis. We can produce as much content as we want. It's the follow-up and the execution at the end, and I think the, the, uh, the, we, we have we have bad bad experiences with clients where we produce yeah. great content and they then don't follow through at the back end, yeah. so they don't execute yeah. it at the back end. But well, I think the the marketing technology evolution now, as things have moved on, you know, I'd question anybody how how well do you know your content's working? So if content could be a brochure, you see a lot of this still in the B two B space, brochures, brochures, brochures handing them out right, left and centre, they get thousands printed, they hand them out at events, they're batting them out and the, the stat, the metric or the stat really is getting rid of those brochures in my mind. So the marketing team feel like they've done their job when those 1,000 brochures have, have disappeared. 
Yes. Where, where have they gone? Who to? Did anybody read them? Yeah, has anyone read them? Did it result in any sales? Did anybody actually buy off receiving the brochure? And it might, you know, very generic examples here, but this is the kind of the old school B2B approach, which is still really prevalent today. So, They you still know, spend an absolute fortune on but print, But with the sales enablement software you can invest in these days, things like Showpad that we use, that's been transformational for our business. Mm. So when we share a piece of content with somebody through the Showpad experience, we know immediately whether that's, one, been even opened, which is always the amazing stuff. You know, people ask you to send it them, do they even look at it? Yeah, yeah. But then more importantly, when they've looked at it, how long were they on it for? What what areas did they dwell on? What pieces of content did they focus on more than others? So on and so on. And for me, that's that's it's gold dust. Yeah, it's gold it's, dust in terms of information. But then you still need the follow up. You still need the follow up. But, but, but again, that's even made easy now. Obviously, we've just taken drift on board. Yeah. And if if you, they've, you're already tracked and you come back to BDB's website, for example. Yeah. That will know that you're Matt, so Matt from X company, and it will yeah. say, "I'm Matt from Adidas." Yeah, we know we know you've been here before. Yeah, you've read this content. Here's another. How can we help you in this? And well, that. the magic there is linking the content, but mm. then you've got to have enough content, which comes back to if you rewind all the way back, understanding your buyer, mm. understanding their pain points, and producing content that's mm. addressing those pain points. Yeah, because really, for us, we know most of our clients come to us with five or so problems or points of commonality there'll be there'll, there's points there's little nuances everywhere but five key principles really they want to have more awareness they want to generate some leads they want to launch a new product um they're worried about losing market share they want to evolve their tech stack you know these are these are probably five key kind of areas or they want to look at their or, web, what, or, what, or what we always say they're gearing up for sale yeah, giving up for sale, sales and marketing alignment so uh, you know you can probably list a few topics off here they get 10 key things so we know really one of those 10 will tick a box with a client. Yeah. So if you can tailor your content according to that and things like drift and direct them through the click funnels or through the drift kind of flows and um, and point them towards that content and then complementary content, and that's what that's what made us launch the knowledge. That's exactly what made us do that. Yeah, but, then it, but that then comes back to our main thing, which is research and insights and making mm-hmm. sure, you know, you're, doing, you're looking at your long tail keywords on yeah. um, what people yeah. are searching for. You look on YouTube to see what people are typing in. These are the things that don't that sometimes don't happen before then people produce content. But is it, I think there's a good this is a good point to touch on gated content. Mm. So not should a, it be gated now? Well, this makes this is a point of debate, and I think marketers going back again that the marketing budgets are under more pressure. People want more return on the investment. We've been banged on about this. I think that's quite common across most businesses. Um, nationally and internationally. I think it's under pressure more because you can tra- now track more, so you should... You should but then, they, then the thing is, okay, we'll have to, we'll have to gate the content because if you ungate content, unless yeah. you've got a, a really strong MarTech stack behind it mm. that enables you to track downloads or visitors and that kind of thing, um, there's a risk with ungated content. You don't really know who's reading it, but you've got to have <coughs> real confidence in the quality of that content mm. resulting in somebody wanting to work with you, which I'd say, well, you should have that confidence if you're producing that content. Yeah. However... People want to gate it because otherwise they don't get any data capture. And a lot of the marketing objectives and KPIs that people are linking to these days is all about data capture. So we've got we've got a campaign live at the minute with the prospect, big pitch opportunity. They're one KPI that they've set for the campaign. So we've been given the brief. We've not, we've not had a, much, of an, um, much of a say in shaping this brief. This yeah. is the brief. And they want email addresses. Okay. So you can't not gate the content. So that limits you in this situation that they want that, but okay, we can deliver that, but you've got to gate the content then. So without gating the content, you're not going to get that. But I think gating content 
this might be controversial, but it's almost arrogant. But I'm I expecting think... you to tell, give me your data, which is a big thing. If anybody's watched The Great Hack on <laughs> yeah. Netflix this week. But, I've not watched it actually, but I, oh, like... Scarily it, insightful. Like really? stuff that, yeah, it just makes you reconsider everything. It's led to several conversations in the office here about how freely you give your data away. And, well, we should, I think, and I even think, that's interesting as a conversational process. Well, I think it's how quickly now you press accept on websites, don't you, saying, do you accept cookies? I, I do. Yeah. Um, and I don't mind admitting that I do, but then... Several other team members here, you know, want to read the terms and conditions. They want oh, really? to print them out. They don't give any of the data away. I mean, that's away. another podcast, isn't it? Yeah, it, it is, but I think it links back to gating your content. Yeah. So for me to download whatever, whatever you've produced, if it's watching a video or reading a paper you've written, you want my email address, my job, my name, and, the, and these are small forms, aren't they? Yeah, so, yeah. you know, big forms will have... I don't know, your grandmother's maiden name and yeah, you name yeah, yeah. it. All this information they want from you before they'll actually give you that piece of content. Well, how, how valuable is that piece of content? I mean, it's got how to, desperate am I to read it? It's got to be really valuable to, to give, give you that much. I mean, I've, to be honest with you... But I then people wonder why campaigns fail. Yeah. Because oh, we didn't get the interest we were interested in. You thought you'd get and you're like, well, you, you've done a... But I, I always think where, where the my view on gated content is, like you said, how valuable is your content? Because it's got to be damn valuable. Not top 10 reasons why you should... But I think back in the day, it didn't have to be as valuable. No. I think people were quite happily just filling in an address and giving the data away. I think the data savvy modern B2B buyer that yeah. we keep referencing, and the younger generations as well, don't want to give, don't data. Want to give data away. No. So if you keep gating it all the time, you'll, you'll watch your campaigns drop off, I think, mm, yeah. unless it's something so good. You know, I don't know. Like, but, if, but if, you own, if you own a piece of content, like yeah. a thought leadership piece around trends and upcoming or a webinar, you see that kind or a of webinar. You'd, like you'd, you'd give over your data that's, for a webinar that's different, different that's yeah. different but i think the generic pieces of content that get gated in most campaigns mm. it's scarily naive and arrogant to think that somebody's going to want to give you their data or be willing to give their data for that i yeah. think it turns most people off or if you ask most people they enter false information great which is against it anyway that's just because i because i think when we've looked at campaigns for clients as well is that first initial interaction mm -hmm. should be no no you know not gather any information yeah at all and it is, again, it's about, always we mentioned this multiple, multiple times, about having multiple touch points with mm -hmm. your potential buyer. And that first interaction should never be, give me something, sell something. Well, quite often it can't be these days, anyway, GDPR, depending on the way, yeah. where you're operating from. I mean, that's yeah. also altered the, the landscape a bit in the sense of, you know, you used to be able to cast content out at people trying to entice them in. Now, you know... Um, applying with the applicable laws and so everything you, you can't you can't send them anything anyway no unless you can argue the legitimate interest or previous contact or whatever it may be but i think gdpr has made it even harder to share your content with people so you should be making life as easy as possible you know you, you say it all the time stop selling start helping so start helping them it's helping them gating your content no no it's not but that's <laughs> so, what i'm saying we have to have multiple touch points before we even go into i think we have to Going back to the ABM point is trying to establish what your customer's needs are yeah. before you even mention any, or go into a sales cycle with them. It's, it's but the great example of that is, is our own example of the B2B knowledge. So www.b2bknowledge.com, which is our online content hub, completely ungated, you know, all, all the content on there. I'm confident, I have every confidence if we, if we direct a prospect to that website, yeah. they will totally understand that we understand their world and we understand how to help them navigate the ever-evolving B2B marketing landscape. Because mm. there's content on there which addresses pain points, problems they've got, topical issues, explains trends in kind of a, a layman basic language rather than using all the techie mm. um, marketing buzzwords that are out there. For me, that is helping our prospects. And yet, is there a risk our competitors will rip the content and reproduce it? Probably. Don't care. I'm not bothered about what the competition does. We're concentrating yeah. on us. Is there a risk people will read it and use it for themselves? 
Probably prospects, you know, probably. But I'm confident that the right type of buyer we want to attract, it will resonate with and it will encourage no, them to. But again, we make it work harder because we send it out in paper format so people know it's us. Yeah. And when it lands on the desk again, it's it's it is an informative piece. It's not a, not a sales tactic. It's just it's there to inform them of what's coming in the marketplace. So then, if they did do think about, it, they're coming to engage with us. Yeah, as you, as you say, it's, it's a touch point in the in the. In the lengthy B two B buying process, it's a touch point. But you know, forget new business. This is for our pro- our clients. Yeah. If you want to treat your clients and they're the the jewels in your crown, and you want to hold on to them and protect them, what are you doing to help your clients alongside just running campaigns for them? What what do you, what do you th- what would you class as like the the most important content now these days? Because there's a lot out there, isn't there? You, you, I mean, if you look at, yeah. I mean, we've got a sli- we've got a slide which gives you all the content that you can have from awareness to purchase. Yeah, and maps and, it against kind and, of the rational to emotional kind of scale yeah. as well. So, and there's a lot in there. There's a lot. Well, there's that you a lot can of do. different options out there, but I think if you if you take that approach with it when you're thinking about your own marketing content that you're producing, where is your buyer at in that journey? So in the you know the awareness, the kind of action purchase kind of classic funnel, let's mm. call it, and then the emotional to rational side of things. So rational being, I don't know, a, a spec sheet, a product brochure, that kind of thing. Yeah. All the way through to emotional, emotional content might be a video articulating your story, your brand story, or whatever it may be, that kind of thing. Um, where on that mix are you? I think you've got to have a you've got to have a good mix of different types on there these days. And if you're all the way over here, which most B two B people are, or over over here on the camera, but in the sense of if you're at the end of the the buying funnel, all your stuff is very rational content very perch, very geared purchase towards led. purchase led. You're going to lose market share because over here, everybody everybody's already gaining traction in terms of. Um, getting that emotional buy-in from the modern B two B buyer much earlier in the cycle, yeah. so you've lost you've lost them before you don't even know it. Because I think when one of the first things that we talked about when we started these is try and be a little bit more glass box than black box. And I think a lot yeah. of companies are yeah. faceless; they don't. Yeah. And I th- and I think that's because going back to our point from when we did the talk about Vita Foods about being stepping outside your comfort zone a bit, stopping being so corporate and. But all this takes Stuffy confidence. And, but all this yeah. takes confidence because somebody's got to be the first person to do it. Somebody's got to be the first person to suggest something. And I was watching something then I can't remember if it was a podcast, listening to a podcast or a video. I think it was a video of some kind. And they were saying, you know, would people rather go safe and fail, or go big and fail? So in the sense of if they do what they've always done and that doesn't really work, oh well, I've done what we've always done there. It's safe. People get it. If you put your if you put your head on the chopping block and you suggest something brand new and that fails, that failure is on you, isn't it? Yeah, of course. So that's why people default to the status quo, what they've always done, that lack of differentiation that you see, the same old type of content. But that is when you are producing it for content's sake and it's just getting lost in the noise that is this huge, huge vacuum of content these days. And yours is one thing that's dropping into it, and then you wonder why nobody wants to give you the data for it. So. You've, yeah. got, you've got to work so much harder to make your content resonate, but then there's more options than ever yeah. to get the content out quicker and more engaging. So content. if you're any any business of any size, so let's let's go from small to to large size businesses. Yeah, where would you start on the content journey? If you if you were if you were like right, our content's not been very good up till now. It has yeah. been a tick box exercise. Yeah, we almost want to. Before you, we, we, we look at an agency, for example, and we're writing a brief, this yep. is actually a good one. If you're yep. writing a brief and you thought, I, I'm writing a brief for an agency, where would you start? Wipe the slate clean, yep. to start with. I think you can always, in a brief, it's always useful to have what you've done in the past, yep. but don't let that govern anything. So yep. add a blank piece of paper, what, what are you trying to achieve? 
Yeah. What does your buyer know about you? Where are you? Where are they on that buyer's journey? And if it's a bit of everything, your content needs to have a bit of everything. And of course, that awareness to action kind of stage. How much emotional content are you producing versus a rational thing on B2B is critical. Mm. Um, are you getting that hook and that buying into your brand? Have you articulated your story and your messaging? Um, all of this is critical. So I think we find that a lot. But then the biggest piece for me would be what type of content are you producing? And I think the B2B professional world constantly wants slick, perfect content. And, I, and I'm guilty of this. You yeah, know yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. it's taken me a long time to yeah. get my head around. Not everything's going to be perfect that you put out there. And I don't mean... I think perfection is paralysis, isn't it? We always yeah, say I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't mean typos and grammatical things. Yet. I'm talking about do the pieces to camera, does this have to be perfection? No. You know, would we like to have something on the wall behind us? This one? Yeah, but for the next one maybe. So, but does that stop us getting a piece of content out? No, it doesn't. No, but I think also, I think what we, what we fail to realise is with the Gen Z coming of age, they don't want to see perfection because they, they're so used to not seeing perfection and the world is a... Well, they've grown up a, on YouTube, which yeah. is quick videos, yeah. nine times out of ten being shot by somebody... But, but, you know, but, a piece to camera, whatever it may be. But I, I'm going back to the, the, the storytelling thing they don't want the end of the story straight away. They want to see you sat at a bar, a stall. But they want authenticity. Yeah, yeah. So they want authenticity. And if you're going down that customer-centric approach, you're trying to deliver authenticity, then the, your content should mirror that. Mm. So they don't, they don't want the slickest, most professional, glossy report in the world. They want to see who is the people behind the business, who's running it, who's driving it, and who's kind of dictating that strategy, I guess. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. I don't, I don't think they want... They no, want, no. They, right. want to, they want to see the growth. They want to see our podcast go from just audio then to being at the bar now we're now we're trying the sofas yeah. and we might do some roaming yeah. stuff and then you almost then look back at that and go look where we've come from because that's a story in itself but i don't it? think many b2b leaders are that comfortable with that and it's taken me a long time and i'm arguably younger and quite modern i think as, yeah, a, yeah. as a business leader i'd hope mm. but in the sense of it's taken me a while to get my head around it but would you say then again going back to a question about it's why the same why the same clean but what do you think's now fundamental um, in the B2B landscape from? I think I would, I mean, yeah, you, my head immediately goes to video. Yeah. But video, video, the different types of content you're producing, so having that variety in there of how people consume it. So most people, YouTube, are following the videos now. You can get them out there. You've got Instagram TV to get things out there. You've got pieces to camera. And it's you more cost-effective than it has before. You can do bite-sized videos. You can capture it yourself. You can shoot it yourself. The more professional, the better. But in the sense of, the speed of which you can produce content is is, is picked up so much. Mm. So the video the video side of it is continuing to swell. I would say I don't think we've reached even the peak of it yet. But then I think things like podcasts are now, are now starting to come in, getting your opinion out there quickly. Well, I think we always say, don't we, that was it nineteen ninety or ninety five percent of businesses have not got a YouTube channel. Yeah, and but I think when you bet when you bear that in mind, I think the types of content you're producing is what's more important. Yeah. Forget the channel, forget where you're putting it out there for the meantime. What are you trying to communicate and why? And I think a lot of businesses gloss past that and will jump on the video bandwagon. Mm. Hence why you're seeing people doing pieces to camera on LinkedIn at the minute, these chinny ones that keep making me laugh. Oh, with their earpods in saying something. There's authentic and then there's just crass. And there's somewhere in, in that balance, I would say, of trying to get it right in the B2B world. So you want to look, you want people to understand what you're trying to say and show that you understand your topic or what you do mm. without coming across like... Um, I don't know what the right word would be on a podcast, but in the sense of, you know, without looking like a fool, ultimately, of trying to embarrass yourself to do it. And I think people are diving into these pieces to camera a little bit too quick for my liking at the minute. Yeah, and I think I think that's what I'm saying is, is have some sort of... That's why I think that it's important to wipe the slate clean. Look at... I think it all comes down to, again, we always relate it back to brand, what's the story, um, 
And I think that's what you've got to get first. What, what do you want your tone of voice to be? What? Because I think, again, what people make mistakes of is their tone of voice is one thing on a written piece of content versus... But I think if you're wiping the slate clean with it, you've got to go backwards to go forwards. Mm. So a lot of clients that come to us and prospects, when they come to us, we end up talking to them about their brand and their proposition and their story. But they come to us to speak about a video they want producing mm. maybe or something in isolation. But you say like, okay, well, what's, it, where, it, what, where what, what's your tone of voice? And you sort of go, well, it looks like that. And you're like, well, that isn't, that isn't a tone of voice. No. So what's your point of differentiation? And you know, somebody, I can give an example here, but it's a too live a client at the minute, but they give you their points of differentiation. You're like, none of that is differentiation. Yeah. It's complete table stakes in yeah. your industry. So what's your point of differentiation? And I think, it's, I honestly think it's so important when you're wiping that slate clean mm -hmm. in, and again, this is probably, we have probably another podcast in terms of we've stopped pitching any client that doesn't give us a brief. Yeah. Can't tell you how important a brief is, especially where content's concerned. Yeah. So you, you as a business, before you come to an agency like us, have got to get around the table and think about what you want to achieve. Yeah. What does success look like to you? Yeah. What type of campaigns would you particularly want to run in your world? But we, like? That's not us being, that, that's us helping the client more by mm. saying no. So in the sense of, if they come to us with a loose, a loose brief, or they want some content producing and they've got no clear objectives or how that ties into a marketing objective to a business objective. They don't know what stats or KPIs they want in there, what return on investment they want from it. That's somebody just saying they want to spend some marketing budget. Yeah. And that isn't the same as what in a campaign that we can stand behind and confidently say, we will deliver results for you here. We're confident of that. Yeah. So we... I mean, we'll always get... The thing is, if you make the effort to the brief, We'll always try and kick back. We kick back. Kick back work on it with you. It's yeah. when you people when you get a prospect saying they won't. No, no, I'm not. I don't want to do a brief. That's enough. And you're like, well, it's not. No. So on that base, we'll politely decline the opportunity. And I think we've got a lot better at that as well. Yeah. Right? yeah. So. Okay. Yeah. So let's wrap that up for today. Yeah. Good podcast. That. Yeah. Good stuff. Um, content is everything. I think that we've covered quite a lot in that podcast, and I think there's a few other spin-off subjects there as well. So. Um, it's been a pleasure seeing you on the new location today. <laughs> the, the, even though I was the podcast couch, the podcast couch. It's yeah, nice. even though I was uh, full of a cold, so hopefully that doesn't come across on the on, on camera. No, um, you can find us on all the usual channels. Yeah, so. and uh, also our lovely knowledge. Yeah, hub, which no, is going I'll out to our people clients. to go and have a check out the b 2 b two b knowledge dot com uh, for our content hub, where you can find things to help you yeah. ultimately on your ever-evolving journey in the B2B marketing landscape. So, yeah. And if you don't want to see our lovely faces, you can always go on um, all our podcast channels and just listen to us from an audio point of view. Um, help us if you can subscribe so you get a notification when those go live. But yeah, great. the only thing was if anybody's got any questions. topics yeah. topics or questions, feel free to leave any comments underneath the podcast and we'll uh, be delighted to get back to you or cover any specific topics that people would like us to. So, yeah. Thanks very much. Okay, thanks. Cheers. Why? Yeah. I'm gonna take a picture of you. I'm gonna take a picture of you.